right, well, welcome back to The Glue, guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Special guest today, managing editor of thebookinggame.com? Technically. Just, technically. I feel like we have this discussion every time. I every time. On. It's like, what, what do you I do? I want to elevate you to even a higher level of <laughs> President import. of... Senior editorial director. Ooh, president CEO. President, president of the Players' Tribune. There you go. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that, that would be a good title. Uh, Devin Corpertian is here yes. from thebrokengame.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here uh, on this lovely Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes, search Glue, search Glue Guys. Check us out on brokengame.com and Twitter, at BK Glue Guys. So once you're getting good at that, I'm telling Brian. You. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> How's it going, man? How are you? Uh... It is morning for the Nets. The no, so <laughs> so we are here. Uh, the Nets have last time we talked, they had fired their coach. Yeah, they've played some games under their new coach, Tony Brown. Tony Brown. Um, we've seen a lot of interesting quotes already come out of the locker room about sort of the uh, change in leadership between the two teams. One just question, and then we'll kind of get into. We're going to get into some GM rumors today. We're going to get into a lot of listener emails. Um, we're then we're going to kind of just bat it around a little bit, but mm. does this, has this team actually played really better or wor- worse since Lama Hall's been fired? Um, I mean, I think it's basically about the same. I think the sure. difference, so the difference to me from Lionel Hollins and Tony Brown is that if you are a losing basketball team, if you're a sinking ship and you're playing under somebody that has a certain personality, which is Lionel Hollins can be a little grating, can be mm. a little... Cantankerous, um, cantankerous is a good word for it. Um, then showing up for work gets really annoying, and you don't want to. And it and it can really it can weigh on you over the course of a season. I think with with Joe, we kind of saw that a little bit. Like by the by January, he just he was he was just tired of of what was going on. Um, under Tony, they're still losing, and it's still upsetting. But now it's now you have the opportunity to go to work under somebody who you don't necessarily dislike. Yeah, yeah. Thaddeus Young had a not so veiled comment about basically not loving the fact that Hollins would make a big stink out of like turnovers or something, which is totally justifiable. I mean, who wants to like just in life people that just you know dwell on small you know misfortunes generally disliked across yeah. the board. <laughs> but I will say, and it's like. This, these are the exact same quotes you pretty much always get when a coach gets fired. But it was the Thad Young quote is just so interesting because Thad Young has been a pretty yeah. s- like good soldier yeah. throughout his time. He's never been a guy who said anything really negative of, at all. He's always been like just like a happy dude. Mm-hmm. And immediately once Lionel Hollins is out the door, a guy, the guy who says the probably the most damning quote about the change in leadership is this guy who it's, you would have never assumed would be that grumpy about it. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's... Is it going to matter? Like, like is the team going to play better? I mean, they beat the Knicks. That was exciting. That was helpful. The, the Carmelo list Knicks, <laughs> which it, I got in. Hey, some... This is the Jarrett Jackless Nets. Okay, the, so let's yeah. not forget. <laughs> no, no. So okay, I got into some Twitter stuff with. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Knicks that was hilarious. Fans. Yeah, which is just insane. So what happened was at the end of the game, the game was at Barclays, and I tweeted, and uh, there's a ton of Knicks fans there. Mm-hmm. Nah, I don't care. It doesn't bother me as much as it may bother some people. Does it annoy you that there's a lot of Knicks fans that end up being in Barclays? I mean, I mean this it season... doesn't annoy me. It's just, like, depressing. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and then I tweet out the that the, we beat, you know, like, the Nets beat the Knicks. We, we own Barclays. Obvious shitty joke, right? Yeah. Crappy joke. Not even that funny. And I get, I get just a torrent of, like, SMH... Uh, that's your building, like yeah. just like a torrent of people just saying, yelling at me yeah. about, man, no, that's where the Nets play. Don't you get it? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. So I was just retweeting people. I was say, I what I've been doing now is I've just I was straight out saying like, you're dumb. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're perfect little. Do you, do you want me to play it? Oh man, I'm nah, so, it's fine. It's, it's, the it's, moment has passed. It's fine. It's your dumb. <laughs> Doesn't even feel good. Um. It was great, and and I it, it was enjoyable to see how grumpy Knicks fans even now. Their situation is so much better than the Nets. They have a star. They have Porzingis as like this young, great little guy, um, young <laughs> little, young, little little yeah, <laughs> yeah seven foot three, precocious right? little scamp, <laughs> um, and and a, a meaningless game in which they don't have Carmelo. They're coming off a of back to back. I tweet one thing, not even like I just tweet it out into the just into the world. Mm-hmm. And it gets picked up by people who aren't following us, and they're just so grumpy. When was the last time you had a Twitter fight, Devin? 
Oh God. Uh, well, depends what you mean by Twitter fight because I'm I'm of the opposite mentality as Mike, and where I used to get into like like think it was really funny and get into it, and now mm-hmm. I just like it it just goes completely past me. I'm, mm-hmm. I get enough negative comments from people that I just don't even care anymore what they have to say. Yeah. Um. So I don't know what my last real Twitter fight was. I think I just trying to keep it factual and, yeah. and avoid it. So so last night after after the Warriors lost, I was just telling you guys this before. I was like I was I made I said something like, you know seven. The Warriors and Spurs in April 10th or April 7th could be two teams of 70 wins, which would be really cool. And then some Warriors fan was like, they're not winning 70 games. Have you seen this trash team lately? And I was like, "Like, really? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, what are you talking about? Like, have I watched the Nets 41 times so far this year. Yeah. I know what a bad team looks like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't tell me about and bad then, basketball. And then that same guy just started cursing me. So what I do is I, I pull out the mute button. I've mm. muted so much wow. on Twitter. It feels great. Wow. I, so yeah, as a not person that's well-versed in Twitter you know politics d- decorum um like I, there are none w- when there I, is no decorum, <laughs> our, decorum our previous the glue intern told me that you know it's good to get into twitter fights with people because people will follow you so i was like oh okay and you remember this this is like a year ago it's my only one and i still think about it i can't do it it's weighs too heavily on me i know it, it, what it, was it, the one what it, was was that about? it was some uh pistons writer and that was you who did that? Yeah, that was me. Did you not know that? I thought it was our. our I know. Our and I'm winter. trying to like. It's so. It's so bad. It's like I'm trying to affect like Twitter talk, and it's so transparent that this is a person who's like first day on Twitter. It's just not. It I mean, just I typically find that if you just like if you say something and then someone says like some shitty thing back to you, if you just say like, "Oh man," like, okay, if you just say that back to them, they all they all dissipate. They all yeah. go away. Yeah. disappear this guy was doing the thing too where he was responding so fast i couldn't and like and you know there and multiple better, and like in a multiple thoughts going, way. that guy no i mean his <laughs> thoughts were terrible but they were everywhere there i couldn't keep up i was trying to answer one thing with the next thing i remember the, the conversation was who had more of a future right it was it was well, Nets it, was, it was basically like you know whether obviously retrospect it was a stupid boston trade and it was like you guys trade your bat draft picks and so sure. the response was like um like yeah, you guys used your draft picks like bad poorly and still suck. So what? Like trade your draft picks to make the playoff a couple times or use them and suck indefinitely. So anyways, that was sort of the the argument, um, which was just a bad, just just a not fruitful experience. <laughs> what a great fight! Yeah, who's worse? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the uh, the there's been rumors about the person that will hopefully change the direction of this franchise coming down recently. So this past week we've had. A ton of leaks, <laughs> it seems, that mm-hmm. have been coming out about who will lead this team or who's been the prospective candidates. Right now, it seems like it's between Colangelo and Danny Ferry. Um, and then coaching, it seems like Tibbs' name has been thrown out there a lot. Anyone else that I'm... Um, Cal. Coach Cal. Which I don't think is going to happen. I'm which just, probably won't happen, I'm right? I'm just saying the names. Um, so, one, it seems like what the approach is that what we're getting... and there's been reports about this is that they really do want to hire. It seems like they want to hire a GM uh, first before a coach. Um, And they want to hire one, the GM and then a coach or a coach and then a GM. They don't want to hire coach Cal because he would be all encompassing. Mm -hmm. Are we happy with that approach? Does that, is that the approach that's going to be the most successful? GM and coach. Go ahead, Dev. You feel that one. I, I think so. I, I see what my, my, my sense of what it is and my sense of what makes sense is that you want to have um, the guy who's going to hire the coach. You want to be in place before you hire the coach, in, in short. Like, I mean, um, you know, Billy King was the one who made the decisions to hire Jason Kidd and Lionel Hollins and, and Avery Johnson, and he hired a lot of coaches. So yeah. I think the, the idea is that you want to have a vision from your general manager of what you're trying to accomplish, and then you find the coach that fits that vision. Now, they might have a coach already in mind that will fit the vision of a GM they have in mind or a GM that they're going to hire later. So the idea that they're looking at coaches now is not like out of the realm of possibility. I mean, look, if they hire, I don't know, Colangelo as GM, I think Thibodeau would fit under his mold. You know what I mean? Like they could already have guys in mind who they think would fit together. What I find so interesting is that we're already getting these coaches' names to be kind of thrown out there as like people were considering. And to me, there's almost a zero. There's got to be a zero percent chance that this coach, the next coach, cannot be hired during the year. It'd be very unusual for if whatever coach it would be to decide just to start coming in and coaching now. It doesn't happen. It happened with George Carl. Right, but also you have to remember that if the Nets are going to take a while to find the decision, there might be coaches available in June that are not available now. Like there might be five or six guys who are fired at the end of the year who the Nets are like, oh, maybe maybe we're going to look at you know Dwayne Casey if he ends up leaving the Raptors or something right. like that. Like there's so, there, so 
the idea is that you want to have as many options as possible, I think. And I don't think, and I, they have certain options now. Obviously, Thibodeau is the top of that list because he doesn't have a job. But like in June, that might be different. Am I the only person that's really not excited for Tom Thibodeau? Yeah, you, no, we can talk about that. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just that's it. I'm just gonna put that out in the out into the ether and see what comes back. Yeah, but why are you why are you so grumpy against him? What about him <laughs> makes makes you so <laughs> mad? What? Look at I you. I love these. I love these. You're leading back in anger. <laughs> just yeah. we have the fan mail right here to you from Tom Thibodeau about yeah. how much he hates you. <laughs> so. Got my Tom Thibodeau dartboard. Um, <laughs> I am not that mad about the conversation about Tom Thibodeau, Mike, but I, I don't know. It's just another cantankerous, you know, guy who's had his issues with structuring effective offenses. Generally, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I've had enough of these like old school, like you know, roughneck coaches. I don't know the grinded out coach. Uh, I mean, your perfect coach was Jason Kidd. I loved Jason Kidd. Yeah, I, know. I have no problem with Jason Kidd's rotation. I, this is the first coach I've ever watched that was like, you know, for, throughout my entire fandom i had always been screaming nice. at the tv being like why is jason collins still in the game why is why is and then yeah but kid didn't play guys why is reggie evans still in the game much. reggie evans was canned in two seconds once jason kidd was hired it was amazing it was the best but we we were angry when garnett and pierce and players like that played only 25 minutes or garnett would not play certain games it was frustrating to watch a coach that was so uh, I don't know, not lackadaisical is a word, but like hands off almost in terms of his rotation. He would never push his players. Um, it's not like I want, I don't want Tibbs. Well, what's interesting is that so like I was looking at minutes played per game of all the players. So I want to see Brooke because my biggest concern right now is that because this team stinks, but they want to keep playing hard, that Brooke is going to get uh, more and more pressure to keep playing. He plays the third most minutes for centers, um, which is which he's one of the better better offensive centers in the league, so it's not like totally surprising, but because of his injury history, it would it's a bad sign that he's playing this much. It's it, something bad could happen. Let me just touch on that thing about Jason Kidd real quick. Sure. <laughs> Don't you think there's a distinction between playing a guy's twenty five minutes to prevent them from getting injured versus playing Reggie Evans thirty five minutes because you think he's good at basketball? <laughs> Don't you think that's a different <laughs> two different things? Right. Yeah. There is. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just that's my you know. Yeah. I'm not going to stand for this Reggie Evans slander anymore. I love Reggie Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot. What, one I of my favorite it. players. Really? Is yeah. that true? Yeah. One of my. You liked my... to watch Reggie Evans. Well, just... he he was so. Um, here's the thing. He was so incompetent at so many levels of the game. Mm -hmm. But unless the game was in a bad place, he would never try them. Yeah. So I appreciated that all he would do was try to like make up for Brooke making defensive mistakes and not getting rebounds and then at like if the game was like 20 points in the fourth quarter he's like alright now it's time to throw a book shot yeah. <laughs> yeah. how he tall was is Reggie was Reggie Evans 6'8 six eight six, eight, I think 6'9 yeah. yeah. maybe um, um, but but getting back to the point of Thibodeau yeah which I think um, so you're I, I, I'm kind of in the same camp as Brian and the way I think of it is that what if like we're in a time warp and Thibodeau had been hired when Hollins got hired by the Nets are the Nets that much better than they were in the last couple of years because of the personnel they have? And is Thibodeau grading on them as, say, Lionel Hollins was when they're at this point, when they're, you know, 11 and 30 or maybe 13 and, you know, 27 or whatever they'd be at that point? I know some people, it seemed like people in the Bulls organization, there was definitely tension. The reason why Thibodeau is not there because yes. of his tension with management. Right. But like Jimmy Butler came out this year and said that Fred Hoiberg needs to be more like Thibodeau. I mean, he, he didn't say it in those exact words, but he said, we used to be coached harder. We need to be coached harder now under this team. So I do think it's like, I think Thibodeau probably got a somewhat bad rap for for him wearing down players when it does seem like some players at least enjoyed the type of basketball that he coached. Like Jimmy Butler legitimately wants to be coached like that. So sure. so he, he can't just be like, so like Jim Harbaugh in football is a guy who seems to piss off every player he coaches because he's just like this grading personality. But I don't know if Thibodeau really is like that. I, I would be down with that if there were more proof that like Thibodeau, like his, his you know, kind of level of success is very much on the same level as Lionel Hollins took a team to the conference finals once. Like if there was more evidence that he I would was say, successful, I would say like... Thibodeau's a level above what Hollins was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, only because he like Hollins, Hollins' second job was so disastrous compared to his first job. Like if Tom Thibodeau had another gig where it was like the Nets, we would probably put them on the same plane. Right, but right. Th Thibodeau's like 
whole defensive style has been adopted by every team in the league. Like he is actually he is for whatever it is the the, yeah. Im, the inventor of all that. He brought that to Boston. He brought that you know in New York, and he's mm-hmm. he's kind of been he's been around for a while, and he, so he has that kind of pedigree where maybe Lionel Hollins sure. does. That was also the kind of Hollins reputation coming out of Memphis. I mean, he was supposed to be the guy you know with the string defense as well. So right. well, I, I spoke with a scout when they hired hollands um and i i was i thought hollands is a really good defensive coach and he's like just wait yeah like you're gonna see like he doesn't do enough with his players and i didn't believe him then and i do now mm-hmm. but like and, and and i think thibodeau is a little different i'm not saying that th- and, and and again i agree with you in the sense that like if thibodeau um has a bad team mm-hmm. that's a that's a bad recipe yeah um so that that that's more of a concern to me yeah i guess my point is like, the fact that we're relying on these very like nuanced shades of gray to create differences between him and hollands at this point is already a little bit well, and there's a shot that Thibodeau is uh, like the Mike D'Antoni of defense, where the first job he's at, he's really good, and people really like him, and then the re- rest of the league replicates what he's doing, and then he no longer becomes innovative, the, the innovative coach right. that he was. So there's a shot, like like you're saying, like that maybe Thibodeau was just like, the Bulls were great, he was the first guy kind of doing what he was doing, everyone else is now doing what he did, he goes to the Nets, mm-hmm. and it doesn't become, you know, like I'm always against system coaches. System systems typically end up losing their their steam after a three four year cycle. Um, the reason why Popovich is so good in San Antonio is that they change their system every right. couple of years. Uh, so what will be interesting, and we we can't know this, is if Thibodeau, let's say he takes a job, is there evolution with him that makes him that shows that he's a really good coach, or is he, is he like I don't want to say a one trick pony, but is yeah. his like defensive system was that just like at the time it was just so different and better and now it's really not that special and now he's just like a guy with a receding hairline and yeah. who's who's really angry I'm not, I'm not like I think like a system is in theory like an okay thing to do but it, in praxis it's really difficult because like you, you know in the NBA there's no assurances that you'll be able to get the players that fit the system and if you're not getting the players that fit your system like D'Antoni for example had like a nice run in Phoenix because those players were closer to what you need in in New York it was a disaster because the, it's just like a hodgepodge of you can't have a system with with just any old and then the Lakers it was right. Dwight Howard and right. Al Gasol which is which yeah, is exactly not what you want yeah um, the personnel is so important to that like can can Bur- a team with Brooke Lopez and Thaddeus Young replicate what they did with Joakim Noah right I mean like it's a very different exactly situation so I, I can't answer that question because I don't I Tom Thibodeau has to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Does Danny Ferry or Colangelo excite intrigue on either end, or is it just he, they're just guys who have been, done it before and they're normal? I do I do like that in what I've heard the Colangelo, uh, or at least the like <laughs> reputations that people are trying to basically say that he is responsible for in some way influencing what the Warriors are doing, <laughs> which which How is that happen? basically him and D'Antoni's like you know system effectively uh, are. Like you know, I guess being replicated to a small and much more successful degree by Golden State, which is has to be some crazy PR from Colangelo's yeah. people because <laughs> yeah, um, because that can't possibly be. Um, but yeah, I you know the fairy thing is um, complicated for other reasons. Um, sure, but he excites me the most because he took so when he went to Atlanta, no one thought that Atlanta was going to be any good, mm-hmm. and he turned that into it. Like he he turned that around without draft picks yeah um you know the it's going to be important for this gm to be able to to have a plan that doesn't include the draft Mm -hmm. um i mean but but again like it's like how excited are we really going to be about danny ferrier colangelo what would be good is that you know this this Raptors team that's in Toronto right now. Mike, is your finger bleed? What do you what have you done yeah. to yourself? Are you just <laughs> eating your finger whole right now? Like, <laughs> What's like a, going on over there? I had like a slight. <laughs> this is kind of gross, but I had a slight hangnail, and now is it, you're just it's tearing a geyser it. of blood. No, you I'm have to like, stop messing with it. I'm licking it. <laughs> As a metaphor for the net success in the last three years. A a slight slight hangnail, and now it's a giant mess. (laughs) Why why did you do that to your poor finger? Here, I got some tape for you. Um, Thanks, buddy. Um, I mean, I just... Totally fine. These two guys, great. Like, whoever it would be, I just hope it is one of those two guys. Because if if it ends up being um, a situation where they both, like, magically would turn down the nets, I don't know how many other, like, super available GM candidates are even out there. Right, and that, that's the other thing is like again with with the coaching situation, you have maybe three or four guys you could possibly talk to now. In the GM situation, it depends. Like, 
are you going to go after another team's assistant? Are you going to get somebody outside of basketball? Are you going to um, look at, you know, the two guys who are basically available for it now? You know, it, it, that that's kind of like, I, I think if anything, they'll hire one first. Um, and, and I want to be clear that, that Brian just taped up, uh, taped up like an athletic Gave a little reservoir tip too at the end. <laughs> um, so Mike is all good now. He'll be able to handle your questions expertly. Um, but but yeah, I think the, well the the issue it's, it's interesting to me that, that Danny Ferry's on this because he's such a close friend of Billy King's and I and I and it's right. it's surprising to me given what happened with Ferry in the last couple of years and it it's inter- I'd be I'm, I was when when that happened I I thought it would, it would be surprising if he got another job even though he had all this this run of success because of how everything had kind of leaked and been an, an issue, um, but I don't know I I it, it's hard for me to see a vision for this GM when the whole vision relies on. How are you going to convince someone to get come here? At the end of the day, your job is going to be to convince someone of talent to come into that cap space. Well, and that's why I think Ferry is well. Okay, he he's bad and good. He's bad because the the African comment is somewhat hanging over his head. But he has the port of Adam Silver has said that he shouldn't gotten fired over that. Yeah, I, I think it was a little overblown. I'm I'm with you there. Um, and he did build a team in Atlanta that that really that didn't attract big name free agents that wasn't through the draft he was able to get guys and then turn them into or you know he was able to get guys that ended up fitting into a certain way that made the team a lot better um colangelo i mean so i was going to say is but the the raptors team right now was mostly built by colangelo um Mm -hmm. and you know he's interesting because nepotism is like a really kind of like never usually good right right uh and he has a famous name, and he has gotten plenty of shots before. Danny Ferry's shots have ended. Be, the one ended because the LeBron thing didn't work out, and then it ended in Atlanta because of a comment. Colangelo ended because of ineffectiveness. And I just, it's like, okay, like, okay, he's gonna be the th- like this would be his third job, and it just wouldn't be that exciting, yeah. and it wouldn't matter. How, how much do you think uh, Danny Ferry's success in Atlanta outweighs what could maybe be termed non-success in Cleveland and an ability to pair LeBron James with anyone of any kind of value on a basketball court outside of an old yeah, Shaquille I mean, O'Neal? That that whole the whole situation that LeBron was in, yeah, like it makes so much more sense now looking back. Like at the time when he left Cleveland initially for Miami, everyone was furious, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't, could not blame him. The team that was built around him was just disgusting yeah i mean the the fact that a, a shack was brought in right. antoine jameson was brought in to appease lebron but not even those guys were yeah in terms of nba they're basically dead right um I so know. i mean do I'm we excited. do we factor that into our danny ferry decision like does that does that mean a 50 percent good well record, I, I mean well he's not he has to fit guys around brooke lopez and thaddeus young it's a little different than trying to find guys to fit around lebron james of course. and i don't know if that's easier or harder because with lebron there's so many more expectations yeah um so now we're also we're beginning more and more about sort of what the direction this team should be doing right now so there's there's two paths that they can walk down one is building around brooke and thad and just adding players on top of that you know or it's trading Brook and Thad for whatever they can for future assets and then tearing it all down and building it back up. Where are we in that camp? Keep Brook and Thad or getting, let's say, let's say cumulatively you can get two two first-round picks and uh, maybe a couple of second-rounders and maybe one interesting-ish young player. That's the theoretical package? That's the theoretical package mm-hmm. for Brook and Thad. Okay. I would say they probably together would get, you know, across the NBA, a full of trades, maybe two first round picks at the most. Yeah. Um, where would you? What would you rather see? Um, me personally, you know, I'm not. I'm not one. I'm not a gambler by nature. Smelts. I'm a pretty lame guy. I did buy a Powerball ticket. Actually, I did not, but my fian- <laughs> my fiance did. So your and gambling is that someone else yeah. bought a ticket. <laughs> yeah, but I know her really well. Um, so, so, uh, so I don't like just generally do not really value the draft that much. Maybe by by comparison, but also you know that I I would I would consider doing it maybe next year but I do would want to kind of see how free agency plays out. I mean, um see if you can't put a s- semi-competitive I'm the same way. Yeah. If you if you do totally 
fall ass backwards into a combination of Batum and Rondo. My my combination <laughs> I don't of know choice. Why you're obsessed with that? I can I can just see it. I just see the the basketball geometry working with that combination. I don't yeah. know why. Um, then I mean working in the way that you we'd like you know have to look into it a seventh seed, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> working in that regard. But yeah, I mean give it a shot, and then and then if that see if things I mean if it's really totally bleak and nobody wants to play at Barclays, you can't attract any free agents' attention at all. Then you have to start considering the the other option. That's my plan of attack. But Devin, you could have a totally different one. I don't know. No, I'm kind of in the same boat. Not in the I'm not in the Batum and Rondo camp. <laughs> I like Batum, um, but I I think that. You have to look at it in terms of expected value, right? Like mm-hmm. you either so, so what picks you would get for them would probably be lottery protected, top ten protected picks, and then you're hoping that you hit on a guy that could potentially be as good as either Brooke Lopez or Thaddeus Young, and then use the cap space that you open up to sign someone who helps make that difference up as well. I don't think, like in terms of just the value of what that pick would be and what they might be able to get in free agency, because they already have the ability to get a max deal. Like, they can already sign a guy for a max in the offseason. I don't think that the value is enough that it t- you take away the only good things you have on the court right now. Right. Because say you trade those two guys away, and you have two, maybe even three first-round draft picks. Then you've got that, and you've got nothing else. And then you have to convince a free agent that he's going to play with a bunch of, like, basically no-name players. And that that's a very difficult sell to make. Mm-hmm. You know, you're already at a position where you're selling Brooke Lopez and Thaddeus Young, which is not a great haul as it is. Did, did you see that bit about how Brooke Lopez and Thaddeus Young are already trying to seek out other players? That's, yeah. Could right. you imagine that? And their like, comments about that was so funny. Like, yeah, I mean, I think they would maybe think about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, like, if you're in that situation and Thad Young comes to you, you're a friend of Thad Young's, so you play in the NBA, and he says, man, you know, like, Brooklyn's, Brooklyn's pretty great. Yeah. Like, I live here. I know taxes are high. I think yeah. he even talked yeah, about that. Taxes are high. Um, Could and, you? <laughs> and he comes to you and says, would you consider it? You're not going to be like, yeah. no. Yeah. Like, you want to just straight out say, uh, I I'm, do not want to I'm be more excited you. by Brooke Lopez's pitch, which would be like, <laughs> you know, like, remember that time I was reading a comic book in your presence? <laughs> do you want more of that? <laughs> would you like more of that? <laughs> now come over to Brooklyn. Yeah. Do, do you remember when, um, during the whole LeBron chase the first time when he went to Miami, when he met with the Clippers and the Clippers put out a statement basically thanking LeBron for meeting with him at all? Oh, wow. Yeah. They're just like, we were very yeah. excited and very lucky to have met with LeBron. Thank you so much. Wow. Was that during the Donald Sterling? That yeah. would have been Donald Sterling, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, and like I'm, I'm completely in the camp. So like I'm with you, Brian. That <clears throat> that these draft picks, just you know, people are throwing out there. People who you know cover the NBA and all that are saying that they should tear down the tear down the team and trade them all away. But the thing is, is like you're not going to get back something that's going to be bre- better than Brook Lopez. I don't think. The only reason why you would do that is if you think Brooke is just on an expired clock and he's going to get hurt eventually, which I don't really know if there's any way you could really know that at this point. He's been playing. He has had no problems this year, right? As yeah, far he's as we fixed know. up. Um, so what do you the what you would do is you're trading for the hope that some mid-round draft pick ends up being better than Brooke Lopez? I don't think that's going to even be possible. Thad Young is an interesting case just because I mean, Thad's been great this year. Career year for him. Mm-hmm. Seems like a good teammate. Seems like a guy you kind of want on your team. But there's a real uh, like limit to this is as good as it's going to get for Thad. If you could convince someone to take Thad Young and you get something decent in return, I would do that. But Brooke, no way. I would not trade Brooke for pretty for a pretty reasonable. It would have to be like two first-round picks that are maybe top five protected. Like It would have to be a significant trade. Because you're just not going to get anything better than Brooke Lopez at this point. Right. And also the thing about that is that when the cap goes up, he's going to be on one of the best contracts in the league. Like yes. That's like that's a guy who's going to be making like 10% of your cap and could be your third or fourth best player on a really, really good team. Like he, he is and, a, a very nice player to have as, as a glue guy. I mean, I, he's I'm going to I'm gonna be very excited if we'll get do, him on the podcast. If, if they do <laughs> land that Rondo Batum combo, the, <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. The perfect moose down there. Um, <laughs> we have some email. Oh, sure. You want me to uh, just hit the drop here? You heard me hit the button. Yeah. Isn't that hidden? Mail time. <laughs> You're really bad at your job. <laughs> oh, oh, you want me to... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what is that from, no by more the way? Fade. Oh, that's just off the internet, you know. Did, just... you, did you make that? Uh, I like so the the 
rap music part is a beat that somebody made combining the mail time thing. So it's it's all different parts. I didn't I I, put, I mashed it together. It was a mashup. Yeah, um, your girl talk. Yeah, exactly. Okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, I added the gun thing. I thought that was a necessary part of it. <laughs> it took me a really long time to find just the right machine gun sound. Sure. Uh, anyhow, so Chaboy Randy Pitty. Wait, I got to do this right. Should I? No, I'm not going to. Uh, Randy Pitty. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a funny question like this. So he's been a Nets fan since the dark days at the IZOD Center, which is, for me, not that long ago, because if it was the Continental Airlines Arena or even the Meadowlands, that would indicate... And even darker, can, longer. Can I go one step back? Please. Brendan Byrne? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, even when we were relevant 10 minutes a couple years ago, <laughs> we still weren't given any respect as a franchise or fan base. Nets have an awesome history. Mm, questionable. I just don't get why the Nets aren't a, as beloved as other NBA franchises. What do you think is the secret as to why the Nets aren't, as likeable, aren't a likable team? And what can we possibly do to change the tide in the future? Um, why they aren't a likable team? I thought that was a funny question. Because <laughs> right, so they aren't good? There's a lot of layers to this. Yeah. So, first of all, they were their best player ever was Dr. J, and they sold him to get into the NBA. Yeah. Well, let's even go further back and <laughs> okay. say there's oh, further. Okay. Not further back, but just since the dawn of view. New Jersey has a stigma associated right. with it. That's that's where that leads. Mm-hmm. Is like you 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 break into the league by selling off your best player. That's already a negative stigma. Mm-hmm. Then you're not good for a while. And New Jersey has the stigma of being New York's little brother and like never as important. You know they never. Um, you know the Knicks were always the hottest ticket in town, even when they were bad. Um, when the Knicks were at their worst in the mid 2000s, the Nets were at their best. Everything was still more about how the Knicks were imploding rather than how the Nets were exploding. Right. Then. They doubled down on that by moving to Brooklyn and trying to like really be like, I'm a grown up now. I'm competing with the Knicks. We're going to take Knicks fans. There's this huge marketing splash. They try to win a championship. The blueprint. Right. Poster. And so if you don't make, if you don't live up to those expectations, there's a, it's, and then you fall off as spectacularly as they have, there's a very easy route for dislike on a national stage. Cause now it's like, oh, you just spent all this money and you stink and you're not interesting. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's kind of a, like, yeah, the not interesting element too is is yeah a, an important part of this right. whole thing because you can spectacularly suck and, and that's fun and interesting, but this is the the worst kind of sucking. It's the like just the slow decay, just boring, yeah. just straight down the line. I mean, that's the thing. So you know they made all these huge moves to create a really interesting team. The only thing that matters is if the team wins, right? Like mm-hmm. that's how you build a fan base, and that's what the like sort of the biggest problem. Like, if, I'm not going to again criticize the Pierce Garnett trade, but like. The main thing that the only thing that matters is if the team wins. It doesn't matter if they have an interesting team. People in the people in San Antonio, who most of the people around the NBA thought was a boring franchise, but I don't, you know, they're exciting. Oh, for me yeah, to watch. because you're just so. No, Kawhi uh, is very no, exciting uh, to watch now. <laughs> um, yeah. People love them in San Antonio because they win basketball games. It doesn't matter if you're a boring basketball. People in Detroit love. Love the Rasheed Wallace, Chauncey Billups teams. Those were boring-ish teams. But Rasheed were, Wallace is very mad. You just said that. <laughs> but they, but they were interesting teams because they actually won basketball games. The problem with the Nets is that what's their longest sustained period of success throughout their history? The it was the kid kid thousands, yeah, yeah. 2000s. And ever since then, they they've been like first round and out, not that good. <clears throat> Um, how do you become more likable? You just win win basketball games. You know what's interesting? I, I was and draft Michael Jordan recently on the in the my friend's bathroom reading uh, Bill Simmons' book of basketball, and sure. there's a part in there where he talks about um, how he hated the Nets Pistons uh, early 2000s rivalry, which was you know maybe you know rivalries strong, but. Uh, we had a couple of series against them, and he was like, "Oh, never like endorse those because I, I hate bad basketball," um, which to me is so interesting because, like, I, I think almost objectively, like the Nets brand of basketball even then was like the most fun kind, like just like the fast break kind of basketball. And I think part of, well, I don't know, uh, I, I think this, the New Jersey stigma is so like so intrinsic to this because you could say like. Like, there's no way you could just... It's just objectively true that that was fun basketball. But still, people are like, don't care. It's New Jersey. And where the arena was... Yeah. Yeah. Where the, re- where the arena was is the most New Jersey-ish yes. idea of what new, what outsiders think of New Jersey. Because I'm an outsider. Yeah. When I think of New Jersey, I think of... The rail yards right outside of Manhattan that yeah. look like <laughs> post-apocalyptic just, yeah, industrial decay. Swamped. Yeah. Yeah. 
in the yeah. middle of nowhere. You can't you can barely get any public transit there. Like yeah. it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. I, I think it's what it is. The Nets problem is that they've always been too honest. Mm-hmm. They've always been. They were the Long Island Nets, and then the New Jersey Nets, and now they're the Brooklyn Nets. They never lied like rest of the sports franchises. <laughs> By being the New York Nets? <laughs> By like the New York Giants. Yeah, they haven't <laughs> been the New York Giants for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They play. So many teams are just liars. Across the street from where the Nets used to play in New Jersey. Golden State Warriors. Okay, so let's. <laughs> come on. Does, the entire. They own the entire state? No. They, they are now the Oakland. They're the Oakland Warriors, right? Yeah. And they'll be the Santa. San Francisco. Yeah, and they moved to San Francisco. I don't remember. It's on the. It's. I don't remember where it is exactly. Um, Do you want to hear another question? Yes, please. So that's so, it, that. It's, that I hope that answers this question. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think more than anything, it's it's a it's just a culture of disliking New Jersey, which is you know partly, partly uh, warranted. Anyways, okay. So Steven Scarpulia, Scarpula, sorry. Um, by the way, thanks um, to everyone whose questions we've read so far. I think it was just Randy Pretty. Anyways, um, thank you, Steven, for reaching out. He says. Um, so this is kind of piggybacking off of the last question. Um, so how far have we come since Jay tweeted the city's under new ownership? What are you looking forward to in the second half of the season? Do you think Proki understands mm. the that? Uh, well, I guess I'll just summarize this. Do you think Prokhorov understands the long term goals? Like what or like he, he goes on, but try to parse it. Uh, do you think Prokhorov understands what he has to do in the future to make this a winning basketball team? Has he learned anything from this experience? I don't think he knows. I don't. I, I. I legitimately don't think he because if you did know, that would that'd be pretty significant. I think he he believes that what he needs to do is hire the right people and like he always believed and let them do their job. I don't think that's any different. Um, now it's just up to him to hire the right people. I don't think he he has any grand scheme or he really changed or shifted. In any other way, I just think he he really believes that if he hires the right people and we, he puts money behind something, it's eventually going to work. I don't know if it will, but well, look back to his press conference, and I think there there was one the, the quote that he had that got really that was a lot of play was that like that next year I want to be a championship contender, and I think everyone's like you're crazy. There's no one anywhere near. But if you're the owner of a team, like I think you almost have to say like, well, look, because for example, say they go into free agency. They want to hire. They want to sign the best players in the league. Like he wants to sign. You know, in his mind, I'm sure he wants to sign the best players in the league. Say, and and this is not going to happen. But say, you know, they want to get Kevin Durant on the Nets. He's not going to say, I don't want to be a championship contender next year because that's going to eliminate that possibility entirely. Because you want to go if if your if your goal is to get any way you can through free agency, any talent you can through free agency, like you want to make it seem like you are in a position where you're trying to win immediately. So I think that quote got a little overblown to the sense that like like I don't think he thinks they're a championship contender but I think he would like them to be so uh, you know I think that his sense of what they need to do to do right and I think you're very right in the sense that you know he has to hire the right people and he's going to be hands-off he's going to be in Russia he's going to trust the people he hires to do their job but I think that he wants that job to be okay we're going to try to go after whatever the whatever we can to be good um, and have good players as soon as next year but if that doesn't work then you reevaluate as you go forward and I think that quote, like the "I want to be a championship contender," really just means he just wants to win. It's right. not like he's like we're going to be the Spurs or Warriors. He just wants to win, and it, that that is something different than a lot of NBA owners, which is, you know, we've seen a lot of teams just tank and then say, you know, we're going to maximize our chances of winning six years from now as opposed to trying to win every year. I don't know. I mean, it, I I just don't. I don't hate what he said. Also, apparently, so it also kind of came out that the whole thing where he said, "I deserve." To win now, he meant desire. Yeah, I saw that. About that. I, I don't. I mean, I can't tell you if that's true or not. Like he said it. He said what he said. Did and you like, see this, Bry? I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently, like, the other big quote was that he said, "I deserve to win a championship now more than ever," or something. When I, when apparently it has also now come out that he meant the word desire. He just right. I mean, he's I, Russian. I, I believe that. I mean, there's no I, reason to like say I deserve a champion. He's not that much of a. An asshole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I believe that. I'll take that at face value. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, but either way, you, the, the, the concept is there. Is that like, I want a championship. And I mm-hmm. think that that's like, that's his, because he's not in, I mean, he's in ownership to, I guess, to some degree, like everyone else to make some modicum of money, but they've lost a ton of money and he, because he wants to win a championship. Like, it's clear like that's his goal. So that's, yeah. that's not the worst thing for an owner of a basketball team who has $9 billion in his back pocket 
to, to but does desire. he have what it takes to obtain the gold, Devin? Is that is has that, he has he hired the right people yet? Yeah. Has he hired you? That's my that's <laughs> my question ultimately. <laughs> you're, you're walk so, into the interview with two <laughs> basketball cards of Batum and Rondo and just say this is this is all you need to know. Plan A, B, C, and D, fellas. <laughs> you're looking at it. Um, so moving along, uh, Lou. We touched on this. I uh, just wanted to give you a shout out, Lou Estevez, your boy. Um, we talked about Colangelo. He's excited about the, the possibility of Colangelo. Which Good. Is a strange. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I mean, it's just a weird person to get excited about. You know. I don't know. We got him. But I like he your enthusiasm. I mean, he's a two-time yeah. executive of the year winner. He's built a couple of teams. He's 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 obviously. He, I mean, we talked about nepotism, but he obviously has learned something. Sure. He definitely knows how to build a winning team. Yeah, he's been in the biz. Um, yeah. Dan Marciano, Chaboy, thanks for uh, reaching out. He said, "Any shot they lure R.C. Buford for GM?" Uh, well, I mean, we talked about Frank Isola on AM radio last week, uh, saying that that was a very real possibility um so outside of that i don't i haven't heard anything else i think it was just because they were literally there yeah that monday i don't see any reason why he would leave the spurs mm-hmm. there's just there's nothing there's no there's no incentive for anyone to leave that organization for brooklyn mm-hmm. like he's he makes good money he you know has the best team in sports the best franchise for the last 20 years like and i've been watching a lot of hgtv lately and right. uh fixer upper is based in texas and there are some tremendous homes for very cheap three hundred fifty thousand dollars, beautiful homes yeah. palatial estates in waco in in, in texas mm. so why would you leave that no uh for... no state income tax too right yes yeah gotta factor that in yeah yeah um... yeah i think he's doing just fine down there mike wims chaboy he's saying uh <clears throat> so this is one that's kind of so trying to make sense of, do, do any former Nets coaches since Byron Scott get another coaching job <laughs> um, which which you know Lionel if doesn't. I if I get your meaning like we were talking about earlier is this is this the last stop for most coaches or are, are we in many ways the Nets have a have a history of doing this on both sides uh, players too come here to lose their game just the same way that coaches lose their minds um it's a cursed franchise. No, I don't know. I mean, how many? How many like young assistants have the has the have the Nets hired? Lawrence Frank would be the only Frank, and I mean, kid wasn't an assistant, but he was like a you know a player assistant by that point with the Knicks. I mean, they really only get two shots typically. Um, if you do even get that second shot, so and the Nets always seem to hire established coaches. I mean, Avery's in Alabama. He's never he's never going to the NBA. Unless if he somehow dominates Alabama, which would seem weird, Lionel's not going to get another job. I could I could see Avery wanting to get back in the NBA. I don't know if that necessarily means he gets it, but I could. It's not the well, yeah, no. It's a better chance of him than say Lionel. Yeah, PJ, I think is is not going to have another NBA coaching job. Not happening. Yeah. Um, Chaboy Al LaForest, who has reached the pinnacle of the email sphere. This guy, there's nobody writing more well thought out. And verbose emails than <laughs> Chaboy Al LaForce, and I really appreciate. It. I read every inch of them. Um, sorry that I can't. I would love to just read them off here, but that would that would not be good radio. Uh, <laughs> but so the so he goes has a lot of points, but basically he's talking about Kenny Atkinson. Um, I don't personally know anything about him outside of his job title. Um, do you guys? He's one of the kind of you know how there's always that list of like the, ne- the the next up assistant coaches you know they had Dave Yeager for a while Brian Shaw Thibodeau before he got the Bulls job he's kind of one of those guys on that list um he's a he's a uh, I think he's a Spurs disciple I know I mean he's obviously he's working under Budenholzer now so he's an he's a Budenholzer disciple and they kind of come from the same lineage mm-hmm. um very smart dude. Connection to Danny Ferry, which mm-hmm. is, you know, when, when we were talking about Ferry earlier, I didn't bring that up, but right. like that's something that where if they got Ferry, I'm sure they would have a, maybe a better in with, with Kenny Atkinson. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to judge from the outside how good an assistant coach would be unless there's, it's very clear that that assistant coach is going to, is making a significant impact. Like with Thibodeau, he was obviously altering Boston's defense. It was, everyone would talk about that. They raved about that. And then they would have got the job and it was obviously clear with, with Atkinson. I don't know enough about how he alters what Budenholzer <laughs> wants to do, what that system kind of Popovich derived system, how much he alters that. So I can't tell you other than he's a part of it. If we had to hire an assistant coach, let's just say, let's tailor it that way. Who, who would it be? And why is it Patrick Ewing? <laughs> <laughs> I've always liked Tyron Liu. Oh yeah, he seems to be like uh, a hot up and coming assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Patrick Ewing, I feel so terrible for. Yeah, he's it's not going to happen for him. It doesn't seem like there's been too many. He's been passed over too many times. He's to, busted his back. Yeah. He, he sat on benches. He's he's a Hall of Famer, <laughs> and he sat on benches for years, getting passed around from coach up, coach up. One of his best friends in life, Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. would not give him the job when Michael Jordan seems to give his best friends jobs in places that they don't deserve. Yeah. Um. No, it'd be good just to stick it to the Knicks fans, or just like well, I mean, it wouldn't be much sticking it, but just yeah, play play with their emotions. I really, I don't, I don't know how <laughs> yeah. good, yeah, he'd I mean, be as a coach. Um, I don't know. I but, mean, you like to everyone Lou. I mean, I don't know. It's again, it's hard to tell. Like there, if you look at some of those, there's articles about like again, like the top assistant coaches, and there are guys like Teron Lou is on that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Ime Udoka, who I think is still mm-hmm. with the Spurs, is on that. Jerry Stackhouse, I would love to see Jerry Stackhouse. Wow. Um, Becky Hammond, you know those kind of those kind of people, and like Becky Hammond is an interesting name for this franchise, just because it it if you're gonna make okay, if you're gonna really think the most marketing Brett Yormark move possible, <laughs> the three Calipari's number one, but Becky Hammond would be, and not that she doesn't deserve it, but she she would be number two. That would be just like it, it, the goodwill gotten from the Becky Hammond signing would be huge, mm. and then they would start playing basketball games. And because of the lack of talent, they would keep losing, so no one would care. Right. But yeah. um, that would be that'd be pretty huge. That'd be an interesting move. Get her, Kobe. <laughs> I remember we, we talked about it earlier yeah. in the year before he said he was going to retire. That blew yeah. everyone's minds. That, that really people got mad. People about were that. angry about that. There was one person. Dis- yeah, specifically. Like, are you kidding? Yeah. This franchise would. We, yeah, we should just, put a finer point on it. Not, do that again. Not that franchise? we sh- we didn't want for that to happen. We just said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, reading the tea leaves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we just got one last one from uh, Louis Torres. Thank you for writing in, Louis. If Frank the Tank Zanin, is that how you pronounce it? Zanin? Zanin. Zanin. Uh, Not Zunin, as Prokhorov said it. It's uh, Zanin, yeah. Uh, Pulls off a move that improves the Nets, like trading Joe for a few bodies or somehow cloning Petrovich. Could he become (laughs) our full-time GM? Also, is Prokhorov more like George Steinbrenner, the Seinfeld version, or Michael Scott? No. I I, I will, to answer the first question, I don't think Frank Zanin is going to stick around at this job, if only because he's a he's a Billy disciple. He's been with Billy. He was brought on as like, I think a scout or um, an assistant with Billy when he was with the Sixers, they've worked together for 15 some odd years. And and I don't think that that loyalty necessarily means that he will, he would, he would turn down the job. But I think because he was part of that lineage, I don't think the Nets want to stay in that direction. Um, also, it's hard to know how much like agency he really has to make moves right now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like, like I know that they like, Prokhorov said publicly, like, okay, well, you know, we're, we're, we're very happy to have Frank there, but he's still, he's not even the interim general manager. You know, yeah. he's the assistant general manager. There's not, they, they haven't bumped him up in a way that they, they could have. So, not the way that they did with Tony Brown, very right. consciously. Which, well, I mean, legally they had to, I think. <laughs> sure. But, you know, if you're yeah. giving out titles, it's, it makes it even more apparent that he didn't earn the interim title. Right. And I know the Nets are open for business, but wouldn't you, if you're Prokhorov, put a freeze on that? I mean, I would put it unless it. I wouldn't say. I would say I'm open for business to see if we do get offers because you do want to see some interesting offers if right. you're there. But I would absolutely not let you know someone who wouldn't be the GM three months from now make make a franchise altering trade. Right, because if you're going to hire Brian Colangelo and then he's like, "Well, why did you make this move?" That's the end of your interview. Right, like you know, you don't want to like you don't want to mess up. Anything like you know, you don't want to mess up anything that could the new guy could potentially actually alter. So timeline wise, can we expect that the GM decision will be made soon? I mean, is this something that I have no idea. I don't know. It's hard to say because I don't think they're going to make any moves before February. But if they, I mean, they've obviously started talking to people. We keep we keep hearing about how this is a seller's market that this is the time to trade because there's so so little out would, there to be had. Again, I don't know anything, but I would think that they would want. Like a, like to bring in a new GM immediately would be something that they would want to do. I don't think they're going to rush the process, but I would I would believe if I was them, I would want that guy in place as soon as possible. So then my coaching hire search, as we were talking about earlier, can be as thorough and great and special as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if so, and there's really like getting a GM mid season is a thing that can happen and should happen. Um, but then it also comes down to what if that guy wants to bring in his guys and then you have these lame duck assistant gms and lame duck scouts and and things like that and then you you have to figure out kind of like 
if we want to get Brian Colangelo and Brian Colangelo wants to hire this assistant and this scout and this director, you know, and all these different people, um, that can cause problems when you're trying to make moves and do things in the middle of the season. That's the only real hiccup. And it's, it might not even be a significant one, but that's something that like, you know, he's going to, whoever the next guy is, is going to have to consider like, who's going to be my team. Definitely. Should we do the news? Yeah. Do you have any? Got quick news. Okay. Quick news. It's the news. All right, go, go. All right, news around the league. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Check us out on iTunes, search Glue, search Glue Guys. Brian, the news. <laughs> what was that? Uh, the Warriors lost again. They did. Two of the past three games they've lost. Uh, right now, they, so they lost to Detroit last night. We're recording this on a Sunday. Last night was Saturday. 113-95 to to Detroit. Mm. Um, second loss of three games. They play the Cavs in Cleveland tomorrow night. I love that they're losing all these Eastern Conference teams. It's really Eastern Conference is better than the Western Conference. It's happened. It's been going on for it's decades. <laughs> um, the Spurs are now just two games back from the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Question. So season started, undefeated streak, lovely. <laughs> Warriors are the top team in the league. Mm. No question. Now, do we still give the Warriors the top team of the league title, or is it are the Spurs pretty much co-top teams in the league? Or are the Warriors the number one, no question? I mean, I had always thought going into the league, going into the season that it was a three-horse three, three horse race, no matter what, with Cleveland, uh, San Antonio, and... and um, I mean, I didn't expect Golden State to be that good that fast, of course, but yeah, I mean, that's, those are the only three teams that have a shot at winning this championship. I guess yeah. that's the feeling I had going in, and it seems to be true. I agree, and I think, I think the West Finals was basically the Finals, because it'll be those two teams, and it's going to be out of this world. I don't know. I got to tell you, I, I, I've been watching a little Cleveland. I, I kind of think they're pretty good. I kind of. Kyrie, oh, they, Kyrie's pretty good. They're okay. <laughs> yeah, they might. They might have a future in this league. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're pretty good. The team is so weird because again, last year Blatt was like this enemy coach to his to LeBron specifically. Yeah. Kevin Love was uncomfortable, but this year he seems. Well, there's the, just no talk about Kevin Love's role in this team anymore. He's so diminished from what he was, but he's such a luxury. Yeah. Well, what they yes. did was they. I mean, the real thing is that. Kyrie Irving is good, and he came back. And He's but amazing. they they don't need him to pass anymore. They're like, don't even worry about the whole passing. Thing. Don't, just just let LeBron pass you the ball. That's what we're going to do from now on, and and that seems to be working. Kyrie's not. He's obviously not as good as Steph Curry, but he's got like he has as good of a handle, if not better. And he can shoot not as uh, not as well. I mean, not even close. But he can shoot better than you know ninety nine percent of the guards in the league from three. So. It, it, they are an interesting team, but they're, they still, like, they haven't figured out what to do with Mozgov this year. Tristan Thompson's a bench player, which is just really weird how much money they're paying him. Love is, again, a luxury. He's not essential to their team. J.R. Smith is, like, very relied upon, which is odd for J.R. Smith. He's not <laughs> used to that. Um, but they have LeBron and Kyrie, and it's just, like... I just love a Kevin Love outlet pass. It's worth it for just the outlet passes. It's, it's the best. Yeah. yeah, they're definitely deeper. I mean, you know, Shumpert's another guy who can you know right. kind of fill out on the wings. They have like more talent, I would say, than they did last year. Just kind of in the aggregate, um, Kyrie is obviously the first part of that. But I, I, I still think that it's like there's an, a one-two of the Warriors and the Spurs, and then there's a three of the Cavs, and then there's sure. everybody else. Like everybody else is. I mean, the Thunder are probably like, you know knocking at the door but beyond that it's just like that that's that's the race that that's going on right now um, and, and oh, yeah. one interesting one thing that uh that's gonna be really fun is that the warriors and spurs haven't played yet and they play four times in the next like three months oh, yeah. oh wow. that's gonna be a that's gonna be just a bloodbath and like that those are two teams who are both fighting for 70 wins like 70 wins like you know what i mean like it's, it's insane yeah. um they, and they play such different styles too which is like you have like everyone's trying to replicate the warriors and meanwhile the spurs are doing the exact opposite thing of the warriors which is going big and going and you know n- not as free-flowing and creative like they're there if any team can 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 t- if you can imp- imp- assume that you're not as good as the Warriors, and if you replicate them, you're not going to beat them. This person, okay, we're going to go in the other direction. We're going to do the exact opposite thing, and then maybe we can beat them in a clash of styles. Not and and not to say that it's not a big deal or not. Okay, so right now the Warriors are one, obviously, two games ahead of the Spurs. If the playoffs started today, they would play the Jazz. Okay, the and then the Spurs would then play the Rockets. Is there that much of a gap? Does getting the number one seed matter? 
do, if the the situation is either you are the number one seed and you get to play the Jazz, Kings, or Blazers in the first round, as opposed to then playing uh, possibly a pretty talented Rockets team, even though they're dysfunctional. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to play the Rockets in the first round. That's the only team that could potentially be suddenly very good. And, right. Yeah. And and not just that. The value of the one seed is that if you win um, your first round series, you're going to take on the Clippers or the Grizzlies or the Mavericks or whoever. If you if you're the second seed, you take on the Thunder. Who is a much more dangerous team than those guys? So you have to so to get to the championship if you're the second seed. You have, you're gonna have to go through either the Warriors, the first, or the other one is. You have to go through the Thunder, and you're gonna have to go through potentially the Rockets. Like that's a really tough. It, it is super interesting. Yeah, one and two gap because, and then who knows? I mean, the Thunder are two and a half games above the the Clippers in the three seed. So like, just like slight changes throughout the year, if the Thunder somehow become the four. That, That's I mean, a different dynamic. So it, but just, I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll happen. How it's, is it possible that the Clippers have not made a significant, like, serious trade? One of their three big. I mean, they're they exactly the same place they are. They've been every year for the last six years or however long it's been. Like, how is it possible that they have not made a serious move? I just think it's so hard for them to like, figure out. They could get what some, would it be in something insane back for Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan, and. They just refuse to do it. But, I mean, but then that starts the whole level of dysfunction that like sure. could. I don't know, torpedo you really fast. And those two guys really like each other. Like, they spent a whole day in the offseason taking over the NBA with emojis. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all different. It's true. It's difficult. It's not an easy decision. But, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like at some point, you know, you have to face facts and be like, this is a perennial fourth seeder. Also, Jamal Crawford has played like, he's like their fourth most important player, which is really bad. That's troublesome. (laughs) I would love Jamal Crawford on the Nets, by the way. Nope. Oh, you, you yeah. say that he's now. a nice guy. Really nice. No, nicest guy in the league. Legitimately, <laughs> the nicest guy in the league. A weird because it's Maybe funny that you Jared say that Jack. with such a surprise. Because the way that he plays basketball, you, you would think never he's a jackass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you would think he's like an awful, not an awful person, but like just no, like just Nick Young. You would think he's Nick yeah, Young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love Nick Young too. But you wouldn't want Nick Young on your team. No. Yeah. Um, while we're on the west west coast here, it's Oklahoma City. Um, Durant got angry at the media again. He says that the media doesn't like his team. They don't like Russell Westbrook. They never give the the Thunder credit. Angry Durant, okay? Uh, do you think Durant actually believes this, this Michigas, or is he is he just using it as a motivating tactic? Just like the classic Michael Jordan, like, I'm going to make up something mm. just to, like, motivate myself and motivate my team. Or do you think he actually believes the media doesn't like him? Mm, I don't know. Devin, what do you think? I, I think he believes that the – I think he, he – He's one of the many players that will take slights and um, he'll look at the media as a monolith, whereas the entire media is the slight that he's seen. Um, and, and, you know, here's the thing about this. is like if you're Kevin Durant, you believe unequivocally that you're the best player in the world. You know what I mean? If you're one of the top five players in the world, you think you're the best. You know, So, so it, it, any sort of slight that makes it you know, appear that you're not the best and if it's something that you internalize and you use that as, you know, fuel – that's something that you're going to, I don't know, I don't want to say blow up, but, you know, it's going to, it's going to take over as your single, as your motivating factor. The, the thing is like, you know, and someone else said this, this is not my words. I don't remember who it was, but it's like the, I, Kevin Durant doesn't have to care. It shouldn't have to care about what I think about him and uh, as a media member. And as a media member, I shouldn't have to care what I think, what Kevin Durant thinks of me. You know, it's, it's, it, this, it's just the kind of relationship dynamic that it's weird but it's also like if he need if that's what he uses to move forward in his game then he should be grateful to you <laughs> <laughs> i'm waiting for the the yeah. apology card yeah. no i i mean i don't know guys use motivation they use these things for motivation even if they don't even if authentically they believe it i don't think there's a there's a distinction there like you know if you if that's what helps them that's what helps them uh one two people that aren't happy with each other mm-hmm. Derek fisher <laughs> matt barnes they finally met on court, I guess, last night. The uh, the Grizzlies played the uh, Knicks. You know, I read the post story about it. Nothing happened in the game. Barnes only scored like two points. He scored at the end of the game. He dribbled at the ball. The, the, the Grizzlies won. In the post story, they talk about how there were police officers stationed outside the Knicks locker room and how the Knicks director of security at one point kind of like Sat close in between, like sort of in between Derek Fisher and where all the other players are in a, in some way. And, you know, basically nothing happened. 
Um, is it? But Devin, you, you're around a lot. Is it unusual for cops to be posted outside a locker room? Not particularly. Right? I mean, they, they, they. I mean, I, that specific time may have been more like make sure you're there as opposed to um, you're just usually there. But I mean, I've the, there's security everywhere. I mean, these these are you know some of the most valuable athletes in the world and the most valuable you know people in terms of coaches and all that. Sure. Like, so it's not surprising to me that. That there's okay. that there's security there because I didn't think that was unusual. I mean, the, I'm not criticizing the story. I'm just saying I see cops around basketball arenas all the time, so I didn't know if that was an unusual thing. No, I wouldn't say it's unusual game. specifically. That is news around the league. Oh, you did it. Um, okay, you want a tie bow on this thing? Um, so let's do a Nets schedule check real quick. Uh, so one sec, one sec, one sec. Brian, yeah. By the way, how much did you did you enjoy the Knicks win? Oh, can we talk a little bit about the Legends of the Hidden Temple set in the <laughs> Honda Club? Please. What? Um, so Devin sent us this picture of what was happening in the Honda Club. Basically, it's just it's just going crazy. They have they're having like kids game shows in in this thing now. So so I um. I didn't grow up with Nickelodeon, so to me, there's no nostalgic. Value. Where did you grow up? Yeah, what do you mean? I grew. I didn't have cable growing up. You wow. act like this is a choice of me. This is like well, this is like I the whole like, with Nickelodeon. I didn't grow up with cable. I grew up wow. in a in a in a literary household that oh, that looked Fascist. down upon. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not saying I defend it now. I'm, mm-hmm. I watch Vanderpump Rules as much as yeah. you guys do, yeah. but. Now, but but I just so I didn't. I, the the point is that it had no nostalgic value for me. So all the stuff that everyone's talking about, it's like, oh yeah, you're hitting the you're hitting the button and getting green slimed. I'm like, all right, this is this is something that I guess Brooke Lopez is really happy about. Yeah. Um. But but to get to the point, so so they had the Legends of the Hidden Temple. Um. Like one very small faction of the whole obstacle course, which I, I know about that course. Um. In the setup is it's the entirety of the Honda Club, so no one was in there. Like just like enjoying drinks or anything, it was just this setup, and the whole thing was that you just put together the monkey. They, they had one step. That's the only thing anybody did was put together the monkey. Were they at least timed? I mean, was the yeah? There was. A, yeah. I think there was a time. There was a, they did a time. If they did a time, well they, did a, they did a time for when they showed it on the jumbotron. They had one guy do it. Other than that, I'm not entirely sure. Can you drink? Bottles of Grey Goose while you're putting together the monkey head. That's my question because if you can't, then I got a problem. With it's this. the only thing that matters yeah. in yeah. the world. I mean, that's what I do at home. Well, so I would it, imagine yeah. it wasn't an obstacle course. It no, it was just the monkey thing. And then my favorite part of it was so they had this guy in a in a mask. Like the I don't know if that, is that a guy from the show? Like the guy with the mask and like the is it? I don't know. I don't so remember. it is. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So so oh, he, yeah, yeah yeah and he was like supposed to scare people and like mess with them and have fun, but. I don't know why, but for some reason, when they were doing the national anthem, I looked over and he's sitting there really solemnly <laughs> instead when he's got the mask on, and it's like it's like this guy is like like supposed to be like this like creepy like monkey Ooh, dude, wonder, what, what's, and he's just uh, like no, I have to I have to make sure I have my respect. What's for him, protocol man. there? Do you take the mask off or do you leave it on? Is, <laughs> that, is that a sense? <laughs> you left it on. Disrespect. <laughs> you left the mask yeah. on because you take a hat off, yeah, right? You take a hat off. It's probably it, someone who moved to New York on. thinking they'd be yeah. the next Dustin Hoffman, and they ended up <laughs> being the guy in the Legends of the Hidden Temple. Installation of the Nets, <laughs> I Nets open this, game. Can I open this up to the email sphere and Twitter sphere? If you if you think it's it's poor Please poor do. form yeah. to leave the mask on during the national anthem, <laughs> I, like I always think it's really is. funny the hats off during the national anthem thing. Like like that that's like, take your hat off. What are you doing? I this? get it's a sign of respect, but it is a little it is an odder one. It's the most weird like so, like take your gloves off. Now take your or like what else? Like take take your shoes off. It's the, it's the, shave. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> look at you. Quick, take your shoes off. It's the national anthem. <laughs> a little respect. Um, the Nets play Monday night at Toronto. Then they have a four-game stretch. Tough one. Uh, home for Cleveland, home for the Jazz, home for the Thunder, and home for Miami. Um, one win there. I, I, home for the Jazz. I just ha- I don't have any faith in anymore in this team. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't know if you can pick out wins anywhere. It's yeah. more like a it's more like a coin flip yeah. or, or like you know like you, you know those like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, twenty sided dice. dice. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we got Oh, that's L's. a good. That, now I'm gonna I'm gonna whip one of those up. I think I got one. Oh, really? That's how we'll decide how they win. That's how we decide it from now on. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I mean maybe they sneak out one against the Raptors for some dumb reason that's like but I, I think the Jazz like if the, if Derek Favors is healthy the Jazz are really good he's not healthy but if they, and he'll be motivated against he's got, he's got back problems you know yeah he's, he's, he's had, 
All right, uh, check us out on iTunes. I'm gonna hit the outro button, Search so you're gonna talk Search over that. Right? The timing's gonna be uh, just Check perfect. us out on Twitter. Devin, thank you for joining us today. You got it. What website can we look? Can we? You better hurry up. Let's go. TheBrooklynGame.com. Dot com. You're not done. I know you. Have a great Sunday. Have a great Monday. And have a great week, Brian. you don't understand what we're supposed to do here. Anyways, have. Oh, one more thing. The end of the the end of the fucking show. Yeah, the end of the show. The end of the show. Now you can now go home.